How's it going, everyone? This is Mornings with Pastor Adam on the West Coast Bible Teacher Podcast. Hope you all are doing well. And where'd that weekend go, right? (laughs) I uh, remember back when I worked in the gym, we had a guy who was a uh, regular. He would come in every morning at 6 a.m. And he'd say to me, man, where'd that weekend go, brother? I remember him. He was a nice guy. One of the few nice people I interacted with at that job. (laughs) This was yours, of course. Man, where does the time go? Okay, anyway, I'm I'm not going to get caught up again on the subject of time. I've talked about that already on this morning's podcast. (laughs) But what I do want to talk about today is certainly related to that of using our time wisely, in a sense. But I'm looking at it from the angle of choosing which battle you're going to fight. Picking and choosing your battles wisely. Now, I want to break down the theology of this. God does not want us to be completely passive while we're on this earth. The battle belongs to the Lord, but we're his representatives on this earth. And oftentimes he will indeed use us as his instruments to go ahead and fight certain battles that are needed to be fought. Sometimes these are battles that are in your community. There is a need right now, for instance, for people to stand up and take a uh, a stand (laughs) against many of the ungodly influences that have made their way into our public schools. At my church. We have a few congregants that have gone on, you know, into the school boards so that their light might be present. And at times, this involves them confronting certain people face-to-face at school board meetings and such, and verbally opposing their decisions and so forth. So that is certainly a battle that many Christians have taken on in their own communities, you know. And those are battles that involve a broader cause, one that is bigger in scope. You know, it affects more people. But then there are battles that we come across in life that are not necessarily on such a broad scale, but rather they involve our individual personal lives. We all come across opposition from time to time. Sometimes it's opposition in endeavors that we seek to pursue. 
we have people or a group group of people opposing us with with something that we're trying to, you know, accomplish, a project, you know, an endeavor. Or sometimes we just encounter people who simply aren't nice to us. <laughs> Every week, you know, there's at least one day out of the week where you're paired with a coworker who rubs you the wrong way. They aren't particularly nice to you. They may not be verbally abusive necessarily. You know, it hasn't reached that level yet. But you work with them, and they sometimes make comments here or there that, you know, <laughs> rub you the wrong way. Backhanded comments. You know, they, they say little things to you that just aren't necessary for them to say, but they go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> And it's not like you're not able to complete your work whenever you have to work alongside this coworker, but still, you know, they, they bother you. You feel like you're not being respected by them, at least as much as you should be. And so you're wrestling as to whether or not you should confront them or have a talk with them about it, or maybe even go to management. Or maybe you're dealing with someone who lives next door to you. You don't like the fact that twice a month they have landscapers out on their yard blowing leaves into your yard. <laughs> you know, some of the leaves get blown onto your lawn or into your backyard. And you start thinking about it. You start ruminating over it. And, and you're like, man, you know, I'm, I'm being so disrespected by these people because of how they're just blowing their leaves every so often into my yard, you know. And <laughs> or it could be something else. They're a dog. Their German Shepherd maybe likes to come every so often onto your yard and, you know, to, to take a dump. And <laughs> But these little things can actually bother us if we start to ruminate on them. But then let me look at this from even another angle. Sometimes we have lots of time to ourselves and we begin to think a little bit too much. And we start to ruminate on things that happened in the past. Does that ever happen to you? You're laying in bed at midnight. Or, you know, it's one in the morning and, and you just start to think about what someone did to you or said to you three months ago. <laughs> maybe you're not laying in bed, but, you know, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's the evening or late afternoon. You're sitting at home. You got home from work. You're drinking coffee or glass of wine or whatever, you know, and, and you start thinking. Your mind starts racing from the caffeine. And you begin to recall certain things that a person said to you or did to you a long time ago. You know, not even that week. But something that happened again, maybe three months prior. <laughs> but you actually start to get angry when you're thinking about it. And if you're not careful, you can actually act on that anger. And then you find yourself confronting a person at your job or at church or, you know, whoever it might be, about something that they did to you three months ago. All of a sudden, you find yourself restarting a battle that maybe was already fought a long time ago. And it was over and done with. The hatchet was buried. But then you want to go ahead now and pull it back out. Now, I'm not here today to talk about that of revenge, though revenge does play a part in this topic, but again, my goal is to have you ponder that of 
navigating your battles wisely. It is so important that we do this. There are times when you do need to fight a battle. Every battle in your life ultimately belongs to God, but there are some battles that we indeed have to get involved with. There are some battles that God indeed expects us to get involved with. And God sometimes wants us to get out there on the battlefield. Whether it might be a battle that involves a broader scope, like again, you know, your your community or perhaps a ministry endeavor. Or it might be a battle that you got to fight regarding something at more, you know, your individual personal level. You might have to confront somebody who's wronged you in a serious way. There are times when confrontation is necessary. But we need to rely upon the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction when we are picking and choosing our battles. Because you don't want to pick a battle that's not worth fighting for in the long run. Not that the battle shouldn't be fought, but rather in that it's not your role to fight that particular battle. Some battles need to be completely given over to the Lord for Him to deal with in His way and in His time. Again, we need to start seeking God's guidance when pondering whether or not to pursue something. When we're pondering whether or not we should go ahead and hire a lawyer to pursue legal action. You're thinking about bringing someone to court. You want to take them to Judge Judy, you know. (laughs) You know, it's a funny story. My parents were friends with this one couple that we knew at our church. They no longer attend our church. But they were a nice couple. The wife was pretty good friends with my mom. One day she came over to my mother's house and shared with my mom something that occurred. This lady was, I think, involved with, uh, I believe, making or designing pillows. And she would design pillows and make them look all pretty for, you know, you know, I don't know, decor and and all that. (laughs) And one day another lady hired her to make and decorate a pillow. And so this woman, my mom's friend, she went ahead and she went to the stores and purchased all the materials for the project and everything. And after she had purchased all the materials, this chick calls her back (laughs) and says, Oh, no, never mind. Yeah, actually, I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I changed my mind. And my mom's friend, she was so pissed because, <laughs> you know, it cost her some money. In total, it cost her $97 for all the material she purchased. And so my mom's friend told her, yo, you know, <laughs> I already purchased the materials. Can you at least compensate me for the $97? And this lady, you know, she was like, oh, oh, oh no, no, you know. <laughs> and so my mom's friend became so wrapped up in wanting to pursue justice over this $97 <laughs> to where she came up with this plan that she was going to take this woman to Judge Judy. And she was planning all this out and everything. You know, she was telling my mom, oh, yes, you know, I've watched Judge Judy for a long time. I know how the process works if you want to you know, apply to get on the show, whatever. Oh, yeah, you know, Judy, she'll be on my side for sure. And then, <laughs> But my mom was listening to her. And my mom said to her, well, 
you know, you're doing this over $97, but by the time you drive all the way up there for the day to go on the Judge Judy show, and you might even have to get a hotel room and everything, you're going to have spent well over $97. <laughs> and I understand why this lady, our friend, wanted to do it. You know, it was because of the principle. I get it. The desire to see justice is not a sin. This is a common misconception within the church. People equate the desire to see justice with unforgiveness, but that is not the case. There are many passages in the Old Testament that show God's people crying out to him for his justice. And even in the New Testament, Revelation 6.10, the martyred saints who are in heaven, a place where there is perfection and no sin, even they are crying out to God, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? But again, the battle is left to the Lord to fight. Not all battles are ours to fight. Most often, God doesn't expect us to get on the battlefield with him. Especially when we're dealing with, you know, matters of justice. And repaying others for their sins against us or against people, perhaps loved ones that are close to us. Some battles you can fight. But then other battles we need to leave in God's hands. And if we learn to just take a deep breath and leave certain battles in God's hands, such in the long run will really save us from a lot of unneeded stress. Lots of believers spend so much time running and chasing battles that they don't need to. And they do so because they think that in fighting a particular battle, they'll feel better. But often what happens when you chase battles that are unnecessary, a.k.a. not God's will for you to fight, what happens then is you can create an even bigger mess, one that even brings about long-term consequences. In Genesis 34, we read of how Jacob's two sons, Simeon and Levi, responded to that of their sister Dina getting taken advantage of by Shechem. Most have understood that he raped her. Now, in the Hebrew, it may not be entirely clear. I know that some believe that it was more he had sex with her without following the proper protocol for receiving her as his wife. And in that sense, he sort of took advantage of her, if you want to look at it that way. I know that Andrew Steinman in his recent commentary on Genesis within the Tyndale series. He provides what is, in my mind, a convincing argument that it was what we can label actual rape uh, that happened to Dina. Steinman goes over a few textual and intertextual details in the text that seem to provide strong indication that Dina was forced, against her will, to have intercourse with Shechem. But anyhow, it is interesting because after this horrible event, the Shechemites, of all people, were actually willing to be reasonable and negotiate with the sons of Jacob. But Jacob's sons were filled with anger and bloodlust over what happened to their sister. And there's no question that what you know, was done to her was wrong. 
But as their forefathers had sought God's guidance and direction when traversing difficulties, Simeon and Levi should have done so as well. But what happened was they took up arms, and we read that after deceiving the Shechemites and leading them to believe that they were going to formulate a covenant, an agreement with them, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamor and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dina from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off all their wealth and all their women and children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. Now, did they think they were justified in taking up such a cause? Oh, you bet they did. <laughs> but this resulted in both Simeon and Levi suffering consequences that lasted not just for the rest of their lifetime, but also into the line of their descendants as well. They should have looked to God for guidance, for direction. We need to consider also the story of David and Nabal. Now, David was very close to responding to Nabal the way Simeon and Levi responded to Shechem. Nabal was a wealthy man who lived in Carmel, who had a wife named Abigail, one who was described as an intelligent and beautiful woman. And what happened was, David's servants were sent to Nabal's property to ensure that he paid his dues to the king. But Nabal responded to David's servants with saying, Who is this David, who is the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered from my shearers and give it to the men coming from who knows where? Now David's servants went back to him to report all that Nabal had said to them. And David was pissed. <laughs> In 2 Samuel 25.13, we see that David said, Each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. But Abigail, Nabal's wife, heard about what David was about to do to her husband. And so Abigail responded to this threat very quickly. She gathered supplies, 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, and other valuables as well. And she went on a donkey and came to where David and his men were. And she fell upon David's feet and begged for him to have mercy on her and her husband and their property. She affirmed to David how she knew the Lord had anointed him and how God would make David's dynasty truly an everlasting one. And she exalted the name of Yahweh as she was speaking with David, all while asking for his forgiveness and grace. And David responded to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord 
the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. So the Lord used Abigail and her godly conduct to prevent David from making a rash decision. David was ready ready to kill everybody, you know. (laughs) But David now was forced to simply leave it in God's hands. There are some battles that we need to leave in God's hands. This man Nabal had disrespected David. What about you who are listening right now? Do you feel like you've been disrespected by someone recently? Someone maybe at your job? Or a person at your church? A fellow congregant? Or a volunteer? Or ministry leader? But you've gotten to the point where you can't focus. You're so angry. Hey, listen to me. Pick and choose your battles wisely. It may not even be worth confronting the person if it was just a one-time thing. And it maybe wasn't even all that serious. In the long run, a confrontation may just worsen things. Now, at times confrontation is necessary, like I said, but then other times it's not. It's a case-by-case basis. Which is why we need to seek God when we're picking and choosing our battles. And sometimes God wants us to just leave certain situations completely over to him. And David did that with Nabal. And if you go down and read, God did deal with Nabal. We read in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things and his heart failed him and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Listen to that. He has kept his servant from doing wrong. Because you see, David was about to take vengeance in his own hands. Now, I'm not giving you this Bible story. For you to to think that if you just give this person into God's hands, your neighbor next door who's blowing leaves into your yard, that God's going to kill the person. That's, (laughs) That's not what, you know, that's not what we should be getting from this story in the Bible. And you shouldn't desire for that either, for the Lord to kill your enemy. (laughs) That is simply how God dealt with this particular situation. And yes, David did praise God when he found out that Nabal was dead, but he wasn't necessarily rejoicing in the death of his enemy, but rather his praise was directed more on the fact that God was just and that God did fight for him out of David. And God will fight for you. Some battles, whatever they are, They are best to be left up to the Lord to deal with in whatever way he thinks is best. Don't make a mess out of things. 
Don't make a bigger mess. All because you just couldn't leave your battle in God's hands for him to deal with. A lot of believers are living broken lives with long-term effects because they couldn't get a handle on their anger and their feelings and all these things, and they became a hothead, thinking that they had to take on every person, situation, conglomerate, what have you, that came up against them in this life. No. Leave it in God's hands. Not Judge Judy's. <laughs> no hate on Judge Judy, by the way. I do like her show. <laughs> now, I know it's hard when you've been hurt by someone. But try very hard to look at the bigger picture of both the eternal perspective and also the bigger things that God intends for you to experience in this present life. His kingdom purposes. I know it's hard. But for those of you who are experiencing pain right now, just keep on pressing on in the Lord and in faith. Say, God, I'm in pain right now, but I'm giving the situation over to you and it's now in your hands. And you know what? Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Do you want to go on just being downtrodden? Or do you want to soar? Give your battle over to the Lord. And you will overcome. You will soar. This has been Mornings with Pastor Adam, everyone. God bless all of you. Please share this podcast with someone who you think might be blessed by it. And I will talk to all of you tomorrow morning.